for our teaching time this morning? Last Sunday, I told you that the Holy Spirit had really been uh, interrupting our plans. Last week, uh, I was planning to uh, teach about two of the gates in our series, and the Holy Spirit made it very clear that I was only supposed to do one last week. And I told you last week we were going to do two today, and again, the Holy Spirit has interrupted and said, just do one. Some of you have said you like it going a little slower, one at a time is good. And so uh, uh, my team this week told me, Russ, stop telling people what's coming <laughs> because the Holy Spirit keeps interrupting us. So we're going to see what he says. We're going to see what he does. Let's pray this morning. God, We, we are in an exciting time because you're talking to us so clearly, so profoundly. And I anticipate that today is gonna be no exception. You're gonna speak to us. Last week it was kinda, it was kind of bombastic and overwhelming the way you spoke to us. Today, what I'm sensing is, is that, Lord, you're speaking to us with a real gentle, gentle voice. But you're going to encourage us. You're going to build us up. You're going to move us from where we've been stuck. And you're going to be so good to us this morning. And so, Lord, as, as we just... In this quiet moment, as we sit in your presence, God, will you remove whatever is hindering us from hearing you clearly? Take the stoppers out of our ears so we can hear you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, how many of you have a picture like this on your phone? Few people? I was expecting hands all over the place. Really? Oh, okay, several of us have. What is that structure behind Chris and Nikki and me? What, what, what's that big structure? It's a hole in the wall. <laughs> Vern says it's a hole in the wall. I, I call that the Yellowstone Gate. I, I realize that the, the proper name of it is the Roosevelt Tower, but I think of it as the gateway to Yellowstone National Park. And I was looking at that picture this week and I thought to myself, that's not a gate at all. I, I call it the Yellowstone Gate, but it's not a gate because there's no door on the gate. There, there's nothing around the gate except a very short wall. That gate doesn't keep anything in or out. It's just a big, well, that's because the, the proper name is the Roosevelt Arch. It's an arch. Here's where the real gate to Yellowstone is, and most of you know that's what it looks like. That's the gate because that's where they stop you, and they tell you you're going to pay a hefty fee to get into Yellowstone National. Anybody know what it is for a day pass? Is it 75 now? Is it not that much? 45? I don't know. We, we have an annual pass. But they stop you at the gate, and, and if you don't pay the money, you don't get to get in and see the geyser, right? That's what gates do. <laughs> And uh, in this series that we're in, we're talking about gates. Gates have great value because gates provide passage in and out. They, they, let, they, they, they let you out if you need to go out and get provisions. There's some health to having proper gates, but they also provide protection and safety for, for those that are inside of the gate. And gates are very, very important, and, and that's what we've been talking about in this series. If you're joining us for the first time today, or you're back after being away for a while, we're camping out in the Old Testament of the Bible in a book called Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is a very interesting guy because he returned from exile to Jerusalem to repair the walls of the city. 
And in the book that's named after Nehemiah, the book's called Nehemiah, uh, he goes back to the city, and in chapter three of this book, we read about the repairs to the wall, and he specifically mentions in this chapter 10 gates in the wall around Jerusalem. And if you've been with us, you've seen the map that's up on the screen, the 10 gates. The last few weeks, we've talked about the sheep gate, the fish gate. Last week, we talked about the old gate. And today, we're gonna go all the way down here to the valley gate, and that's what we're gonna be talking about today. This series is an invitation for all of us to check our gates. Uh, You might not be aware of it, but you probably have a wall around your metaphorical city. Your life has a wall. And we're inviting all of us to check the gates. Are there gates that are are open that need to be closed or are there gates that are closed that need to be opened? That's the, the question that we're asking in this series. And so today, as we look at the valley gate in Nehemiah chapter three, I want to talk about what valleys are, what this gate represents, and what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us in this uh, very critical moment as we examine our gates. Now, here's the thing about valleys. We don't like the valleys of life very much. We don't like the valleys of life very much. Why? Well, it's because mountaintops are where the goodness is. And and I'm speaking in a metaphor here this morning, but I I hope you understand. Mountaintops are really what we're after. Mountaintops are when we've been facing a challenge and we've been fighting our way ahead and we've conquered the opposition and we get to that point of victory and the air is clear and there's no more struggle. We've made it all the way to the top of the mountain and we find contentedness, we find happiness, we love the mountaintop. We love the mountaintop because there's vision. If you've ever climbed some of the mountains around here in in, in our region, you know you get up there to where the, the air is clear and you can see for 20, 30, 40 miles, sometimes longer on a clear day. I, I, I love climbing just, just the trail up to the M, and you can see all the whole, the whole valley that encompasses Bozeman all the way to Belgrade. I just love that, that view that comes from that mountaintop experience. We, we love mountaintops. And you might think this morning that the valley gate is a gate that you want to keep closed. Because after what we've experienced in the last several years, lots of us have said things like, I will never do that again. That's closing the valley gate. Have you said that? Some of you are nodding your heads. I will never do that again. Uh, This week I had to take Chris to physical therapy and uh, we walked into the physical therapy office and there's a big stack of masks right there by the door on a table and masks are required for, and, and I thought to myself, I have said, I will never wear a mask again. I was a good citizen, I complied in 2020, I complied in 2021, I wore a mask. I will never wear a mask, I'm over it. Closed that, so on Thursday I put the mask on my face so I could help Chris with her physical therapy. Never say never. Some of us have said, I will never take a vaccine again. Some of us have said, I will never trust authorities again. I've been burned for the last time. Some of us in the last year or so, or couple of years maybe, have suffered the loss of someone we love a lot, and and maybe you have said, I will never open my heart to someone again. I'll never let somebody get that close to me that when they're gone, the pain is so intense. When we make those kinds of declarations, we make those kinds of vows, we are closing the gate to the valley. But here's what I want you to know this morning, and this is reality. You can't live on the mountaintop. We love the mountaintop, but you can't live there. 
And you can press this metaphor a little bit too far, but here's my point. On the mountaintop, there's no water. There's no springs, there's no streams. There, there, you can't survive on the mountaintop because there's no water, there's no food. If you camp out on the mountaintop, if you just sit there and stay there, you stop moving, which means you stop growing. And the reality is God has more mountains for you and me to climb, which means we have to come down off the mountain and we have to travel through the valleys to get where God is calling us to go. And so we can't close the valley gate. And so today I'm inviting you to check your valley gate and consider that maybe today you need to repair this gate that because you've closed it so tightly, it's fallen into disrepair. And I want to start today in Nehemiah chapter 3. This is where we're camping out. And, and this is the account of the people who were repairing the walls and the gates. Just one verse I'm going to read from this chapter today. It's up on the screen. We read that the valley gate was repaired by the people from Zanoah, and they were led by a man named Hanun. Did you like my pronunciation there? That's super Hebrew. Hanun. You want, you want to try it with me? They get that little thing in the back of the... Th Come on, say it with me. Hanun. Yeah. It's awesome, right? No. <laughs> Did you get sprayed from behind? Is that what happened, Jody? <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, okay. The valley gate was repaired by the people from Zanoah, led by, come on, Hanun. They set up its doors and they installed its bolts and its bars, and they also repaired the 1,500 feet of the wall to the dung gate. These people were working really hard. Let me tell you a little bit about the valley gate. Really interesting. The valley gate, uh, th this is a map I've superimposed the walls over a topo map, and so it's a little hard to see the text here, uh, but this is the valley gate, and it opens up into this deep, deep valley, this ravine. I talked about this last week, how Jerusalem was surrounded by three deep valleys, and the valley gate opens up into this ravine, and and, and, and that's why it's named the Valley Gate. It's literally opening up into a valley. But the people who were repairing the valley, the Valley Gate, were the people of, next slide. Didn't I put their name there? Now I have to look at my notes. The people of Zanoah. Zanoah is a city. Thank you, Shane. Go back, go back, go back. Thank you. This is, okay, thank you. <laughs> I hope the map doesn't mess you up. North is this way on my map, okay? So that way is west, and Zenoa is a city to the west of Jerusalem, about 15 miles, and Zenoa lies in the lowlands between Jerusalem and the Mediterranean Sea. So it's logical that these people who live in the lowlands would come and, and, and repair the valley gate. They took that on as their own. But their leader's name was Hanun. And as you might guess, Hanun has a really cool meaning. But I'm not going to tell you what it is just yet. We'll get to that in a second. Before I get to the meaning of Hanun, I want to share with you a couple of things that the valleys represent in our lives and why it's important for us to keep the valley gate repaired and ready to be opened. And then before we get to water baptism this morning, we're going to spend a little bit of time listening to what God is saying to us if we find ourselves today in a valley. Okay? So here's the first thing that I want to share with you about what valleys represent. Valleys represent hardship. This is why we don't like them very much. Valleys represent hardship. Nehemiah knew a lot about hardship. Lots of you I know have been reading the book of Nehemiah. 
to just get a little bit of background for what we're talking about on Sundays. And, and, and it's interesting, just in the first couple of chapters of Nehemiah, we see a lot of hardship in Nehemiah's life. In Nehemiah chapter 1, we find that Nehemiah gets word that Jerusalem has been burned and destroyed, and even though Ezra has gone back to rebuild the temple, the the walls are still destroyed, and, and Nehemiah is heartbroken. He weeps and he fasts from food for a very long period of time, praying to God for, on behalf of his city. He's heartbroken. Valleys represent hardship. And I want to ask you a question this morning. What has broken your heart? That would be the valley for you. In Nehemiah chapter 2, we read this account. So cool. Nehemiah gets back to Jerusalem, and he wants to survey the damage of the wall. And so he goes out of Jerusalem through the valley gate, and he goes down south and all the way around the city to inspect, and what he finds is nothing but rubble and charred remains of gates. Everything is destroyed. And if valleys represent hardship, part of the hardship might be destruction. Can I ask you the question this morning? What destruction exists in your life? That's the valley for you. The other thing we read in Nehemiah chapter 2 and even through the rest of the book is that there is this opposition to the work Nehemiah gets this commission to go back and rebuild the walls. He accomplishes it in 52 days, but there is constant, constant opposition. And we read these names that keep popping up in the book of uh, of Nehemiah, of these people that just oppose Nehemiah's work again and again and again and again. They make Nehemiah's work difficult. I want to ask you this morning, where are you facing opposition. That's the valley in your life. But there's some beautiful things that the Bible has to say about valleys. A favorite verse for lots of us is found in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's a a tough valley. This is a valley that is so deep and so dark that all you can sense around you is death. That's a valley. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Anybody else getting a little goosebumpy? I was thinking this week about one of my favorite valleys that I've I've ever visited in my life. And it's the uh, Two Medicine Valley in northeastern Montana. Have any of you ever been there? Uh, There's an absolutely gorgeous lake in this valley called Iceberg Lake. Chris and I have hiked it a number of times. And uh, it's called Iceberg Lake. You can probably guess why if you're looking at the picture. Year-round in this lake, there are icebergs floating in the lake. The icebergs never totally thaw, ever. They never have. There's always icebergs. In the winter, it freezes over, of course. But in the summer, when everything starts thawing, this lake never completely thaws because this lake is surrounded. It's kind of hard in this picture. It's surrounded by this circular uh, section of mountains that just go straight up for, for, I don't don't know, probably 1,500 feet or more. Just these sheer mountains in a circular fashion, and it's at the end of this very, very long valley, here's this beautiful lake with icebergs floating in it, okay? 
and it's gorgeous. I say it's one of my favorite places on the planet because it's so beautiful, but here's the thing. You don't want to stay for very long at Iceberg Lake because it's cold. And the reason it's so cold is because it's dark most of the time. The sun comes up late in the morning and it sets early in the afternoon because of these circular mountains. And so this lake is beautiful, but it's severe. But there's goodness in this valley. Okay, remember Hanun? You know what his name means? His name means gracious. And as I've been doing each week, I've asked the Lord, what are you saying to us through these names of the people that are repairing the gates? And, and what I felt like God was saying to us this morning is this, God is gracious in the valley. God is gracious in the valley. The last time Chris and I made this hike, uh, you, you start, you start in, the, in this parking lot of a campground um, at, at, in, in the East Glacier part of the park, and you, you have to hike up. There's just a short walk up, and then the, the, the hike is straight, but it's six miles in to get to the lake. And uh, the last time we did this hike, we were coming out. And as we were hiking out, we noticed that there was a grizzly bear probably 200 yards above us, tracking with us horizontally on the mountainside. And we had six miles to go to get out, to get to our car. And there's a grizzly bear that we can see walking with us. I wanted to get out of that valley. <laughs> we sang, we yelled, we talked, we greeted our neighbors when they came up, and we kept an eye on that grizzly bear. But you know, when we're trekking through the valleys of our life, I think we can remember Psalm 23 where it says, I will fear no evil. We wanna close that valley gate because sometimes we get afraid, am I right? Don't you get afraid in the valley? Because there's grizzly bears there. But here's the thing. God is walking with us through the valley, and God is gracious in the valley. Say that with me. God is gracious in the valley. Do you know what the word gracious means? One of the ways you can translate the, the word for grace in the Bible is gift. A grace is a gift. And if you pay attention when you're trekking through your valley, what you find is that God is giving you some gifts. They're probably unexpected. And they might even be hard to spot. But God is gracious in the valley. God is giving you gifts in the valley. Let me rewind to the beginning of Psalm 23. Some of you probably memorized this years ago. Some of you are hearing it for the first time. Listen to how gracious God is in this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for the sake of his name. God is gracious in the valley. Can I just read this in another version? Here's a version where this psalm has been turned into a prayer, which is something you and I are are welcome to do whenever you're reading the Psalms, you can turn these into personal prayers. Listen to this prayer from Psalm 23. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. 
true to your word, you let me catch my breath and you send me in the right direction. I like this because just like it's true that you can't stay on the mountaintop, you can't stay in the valley either. This life is a journey from mountaintop to mountaintop. That's what God is taking us through. But if we set up camp in the valley, what happens is you just become a victim. If you live in the valley, you become defeated and you become depressed and everything becomes sad and sorry and pitiful for you. And what I loved about this particular version of Psalm 23 is that last line that's on the screen. You, God, you send me in the right direction because his, his, his desire for you is to keep moving through the valley because he's going to take you to the next mountaintop. And this is one of the graces. This is one of the grace gifts that God gives us in the valley. So the invitation for you and me this morning is to open your gate. Open your gate, especially if you've closed the valley gate. Will you open your gate to God's gracious gifts? They're right here in the valley if you just open your eyes and you see them. Would you take just a moment right now in the silence and will you ask God, God, what are the grace gifts that you're giving me in this valley I'm walking through? If you're taking notes, you might even want to write a few of them down. What are the gifts he's giving you? Did you think of a few? It's good stuff, isn't it? Okay, valleys represent hardship. Here's the second thing. Valleys represent humility. I started off by saying we don't like valleys very much. Humility is hard. Anybody with me? Have you been through some humility experiences? Valleys represent humility. And if you're trekking through the valley of hardship, it will almost always humble you. This is one of the things that happens when you trek with God through a valley. In fact, I would venture to guess that one of the grace gifts that God is developing in you in the valley you are in today is, in fact, humility. But here's what I want you to know about this part of the valley. This is beautiful. Green things grow in the valley. Think with me, would you, about the valley that Jesus walked into? Because Jesus walked into a really deep valley. Here's what we read about Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. Though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Some translations say Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. So whenever I read this verse, I, I picture a grasping, meaning I'm going to hang on to this and I'm never going to let this go, okay? Jesus didn't consider his equality with God something that he had to hold on to and demand that everybody see and everybody recognize. 
okay? Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Talk about a valley that Jesus walked into. When he appeared in human form, Jesus humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Even Jesus walked into a valley that meant humility, deep humility. But here's what's interesting. I didn't start this passage at the beginning of the paragraph. Here's the beginning of the paragraph, backing up to verse 5. The writer says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. One of the reasons God has you trekking through this valley is because he wants you to learn humility. Why? These are probably things you know, but they're hard to learn. But humility makes your relationships better. Nobody likes living around proud people, including proud people. <laughs> humility helps you persevere, get to the next mountain. Because once you've experienced humility or humbling from your valley, you'll do anything. You will suffer anything to get to the next mountaintop. I don't know about you, but for me, I have a few experiences in my life that are, are like, like road markers. And I say, I got through that. And if I could get through that, I can get through this. Because that was worse than this. That, that's one of the things humility does for us. Humility gives you influence. Why? Because people like to follow humble leaders. Because you can trust a humble leader because they're not going to make you do something that is self-serving. And humility makes you more like Jesus. It's all kinds of goodness. Green things grow in valleys. And, and humility is probably only one of those green things. But if you're in a valley today, I want to encourage you, open your eyes and look to see the green things that are growing in this valley. I was tosh, talking, I was toshing to cock, talk, cook. I was... <laughs> I was talking to Tosh this week, and I asked her to share with all of you. Tosh, you and Greg have been walking through a valley, a really significant valley. Yeah. What are the green things? I mean, go ahead, share well, with us. Well, for those of you that don't know, my husband was um, in a work accident back in June. He fell 16 feet from scaffolding, severely, severely damaged his foot and his knee. He's on the road to healing. But it has been a very hard eight months. Um, but we were in teaching team, and I just, I really felt like the Lord wants to challenge those of you and me and us who feel so stuck, justifiably so, in the world's standards in the valley where we think, I have a right to be angry, I have a right to be mad, I have a right to feel like a victim because none of this was our fault. We are suffering in so many ways. But I've been listening to a lot of Heidi Baker, and if you don't know her, she's a little crazy, um, <laughs> but she's amazing. And as I've been listening to some of her past sermons, I just keep hearing God saying, it's not too late. It's not too late, it's not too late to turn back. It's not too late to reorient yourself towards me. Because she says, love looks like something. And love looks like Jesus. And in the suffering, I don't know about you, but I just want to be a victim. I want to be justified in 
all of the negativity and sorrow, and I just want to camp there because it feels good. It doesn't really, but um, it feels better than climbing a mountain that seems like you can't win. Um, But I really feel like the Holy Spirit wants to challenge those of you who are stuck in a valley and you can't seem to get up on your own. And for me, that has looked like, um, I'm going to be really vulnerable here. This might be really weird. Um, It just looks like getting down on my knees and saying... God, I'm so sorry that I have spent so much time not trusting you. (laughs) That I have chosen not to cling to your promises. Please forgive me. And if love looks like something, it looks like him saying, it's not too late. No matter how stuck you feel, no matter the horrible things and circumstances that you find yourself in, he so desperately wants to free you from the chains that hold you right in this dark valley when nothing looks green. It looks green on the other side of the valley, but not right here in the darkness. I don't know if I can get to that other side. And what he's teaching me is um, it requires repentance and the humility and willingness to just say, I don't know what the answers are. And I'm sorry that I've not given this over to you and I've been stuck in fear. But I'm going to stand up and I'm going to reorient myself towards you. Tasha, it's beautiful. Green things do grow in valleys. Yeah. Kneeling is a physical representation of humility. You're humbling yourself before the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I want to invite you this morning to open your gate to the green things that grow. If you close your gate, listen, if you close your gate, if you close your valley gate, if you follow through on those vows that I am never going to let that happen to me again, you will never find the green things. So open the gate. Here's what we're going to do to end this morning. Uh, musicians, will you come and, and start uh, playing for us, please? I want to invite you this morning, we're, we're just going to, take, we're going to take a few minutes, so this isn't going to be fast, so just settle into your seat, okay? I, I want to invite you this morning to meditate on what you have heard God say to you this morning, okay? Let, let me explain to you what I mean by meditate, because some people don't really know what this is. Meditation is a spiritual practice in, in which you fill your mind with God's word. Now, some people have been taught that meditation is an Eastern religion thing and that it's bad for you, but, but actually the, the Bible teaches us, tells us we should meditate. The difference between Asian meditation and Christian meditation is the way like Uh, Buddhism and Hinduism, that meditation seeks to empty the mind, make the mind nothingness. Christian meditation is when you fill your mind with God's word. 
If God is speaking it to you, you focus on it, you think about it, you lean into it. That's what meditation is. Does that make sense? And so what I'm going to invite you to do this morning is meditate on what God is saying to you. And I would encourage you, if there's something specific that he's saying to you, write it down, write it down, write it down on a note card, write it down in your notes, in your phone, record what you hear God saying. And what's going to happen is uh, Shane's going to start a video rolling up here. Shane, if you want to go ahead. And here's the scriptures that I have read to you this morning. You can, you can read this, these scriptures and, and meditate on them as they scroll, or you can close your eyes and just listen to God speak. It's up to you. But I just want to invite you for the next few minutes. Listen, because God is speaking, and God is giving you clear direction for moving through this
want to give two or three people an opportunity to share what you feel like God is speaking to you. And as we were praying, I just, I, I just ha had this urgency in my spirit to do this thing. And here's why. If you speak it out loud, it's going to compel you to put what God says into action, all right? So Tosh was incredibly brave. You all applauded for her, okay? This isn't for anybody's applause. This is to reinforce for you what God is saying to you. So if you hear God speaking to you, come on, Susie. Thank you. vulnerable. <laughs> um, I just felt like for myself, it's like, I was trying to think of circumstances, like, I feel like I'm on a mountaintop. I have an awesome marriage. My kids are, like, mostly good. <laughs> but, like, there's nothing in my physical life that's, like, lacking. Like, I feel like I'm on a mountaintop. But I felt like God was saying, but what about spiritually? Have you reached a peak with me, or are you in a valley? And it's like, I do my Bible reading. I try to listen to God most of the time, most days. But I feel like maybe that's for some of you too. Maybe your physical lives are like really great. You're living on your mountaintop with the, your best life that you would ever think that you could live. But where are you spiritually? That's great. One or two more people just want to solidify what God is speaking to you. Thank you, Colleen. So sometimes um, I reflect on running a business and I'm surrounded by all these amazing Christians but I'm also surrounded around a whole bunch of sinners and people that will gossip and say things that are not true about me. And I find that hard <clears throat> because I want to be loved by the world as much as I'm loved by Jesus. But when, when I'm in that valley and I'm reflecting back right now, I'm just reminded that the good that comes out of that is that I compare the world to God, that God will never forsake me. He won't leave me. He won't tell me untruths and that his character is someone I can always rely on. And if I didn't have that valley to compare others to, to God, I wouldn't be reminded of his amazing goodness. And I was, I was reading something from one of my children, and perhaps this will speak to you, but I think the timing of this is impeccable, so I'm going to share it, and then I'll be done. But this child of mine says, hard times make strong men, strong men make easy times, easy times make weak men weak men make hard times and it's just a loop life isn't just about happiness it's about experiencing all the emotions and challenges as we would be meaningless robots hard to become a victim if you stay busy and my child went on and talked about being a victim with mental health and how disappointed he was in himself but he says, I've always, um, so, so then he, so he said he changed his mindset and then quoted James 1, 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Good, good. Thank you, Colleen. One more person. Hooray! 
persons. She's your support. She's your moral support. Um, I just, I just wanted to ask, how many people have ever felt like, like they've done something that maybe that makes them feel like they're not good enough for God? Like, just like raise your hands if you've ever felt that way. Like, so I kind of traveled through this before I met Jesus. Like, I thought that I had done like all of this stuff that maybe like, like I wouldn't be enough for that. But one of my favorite verses is um. Philippians 4, 6, or, yeah, and it says, um, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares about you. And, and that's really true. He really cares about you. Like, you could do, like, the worst thing ever, and he would actually care. And he would, he's not going to run away from you. He's always going to be there with you. He's not, he's not going to say, oh, you did this, and oh, you did that. I'm, I'm going to leave. Like, that's not true. He's going to stay with you, and he's going to comfort you. So even if you feel like you're alone, you're, you're not. Hmm. Rachel, wait, 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 wait. I've known you since you were just little. How old are you? God just used you to speak to all of us. Thank you. You're awesome. Susie. This is really short, but if someone's walking through the valley, and you know it, and you see it, walk with them. If you can, walk with them. I think that's one of the most important things, is if we have the strength to walk with someone else, don't leave them alone in the valley. Come on, let's pray. Why don't you stand to your feet? Let's pray. Jesus, you have spoken to us so beautifully, so clearly, just like you promised you would today. We trust you to walk with us through the valley. And just like Susie challenged us, we will walk with our friends through the valley. And we're going to see another mountain. In fact, it's on the horizon. You're leading us to it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I, I just feel like we should worship with applause to the Lord. Would you just lift up a shout of praise to the Lord this morning? Thank you, God. You're so good. You're so good. And we love you, God. We love you, God. baptize a couple people this morning so Ayla you want to come and join me Saul where are you come on up here and is there anybody else that wants to be baptized this morning come on and join me up here whether you're ready or not if Jesus is saying it we want to baptize you this morning come on up you guys you can all be seated Ayla how old are you Ayla you're 12, and you've been wanting to be baptized for a while. Yeah. Tell us why you want to be baptized today. Well, there, a little while back, there's this really powerful experience I had with God, and I felt like he was just telling me to get baptized, so that's what I'm going to do. All right. That's awesome. What does baptism mean to you? What are you saying to the Lord when you go under the water today? Well, it means like turning my life to God, yes. following his path. Hooray. Hooray. Hey. Let's, let's pray for Ayla this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you that Ayla is turning her whole life to you at 12 years old. What, what a beautiful thing. And Jesus, I pray that as Ayla goes under the water today, all of the past of her life, the old nature will be washed away. And Jesus, as she comes up out of the water, we pray for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to, to walk with her for the rest of her life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You ready? Okay, go get ready over there with John. Saul, so glad you're here. I'm so glad to be here. All right, Saul, you just recently yes. started walking with Jesus. Yes. Tell us past, a little bit about that. In the past two years, I started my walk with God. Um, and for the past year, it's really been something I've been challenging myself to just grow more in. Um, 
and I didn't really completely give myself to God, um, whether that was from my pride or from my fear. Um, and it's just something that's been on my heart for these past few months, just to really uh, be obedient to God and just give 100%, 100% of myself to Him. So I just want to be baptized to really show that to Him and give Him my everything. Awesome. Okay, can I share what you shared with me last Sunday? Yeah, of course. So he was on the Chi Alpha retreat, what was it, a week or two weeks ago or whatever it was? And months ago, fall yeah. retreat. Yep. And uh, you felt like maybe you should be baptized, but you didn't. And now's your day. Yeah. Awesome. Let's pray for Saul, okay? Lord Jesus, thank you for Saul making this decision that he is going to walk with Jesus for the rest of his life. I thank you, Lord, that you're taking him deeper and higher and further than he ever imagined that he would go. And Saul, this is just the beginning for you. This is just the beginning for you. And so Jesus, as Saul goes under the water, Lord, we pray that all of the old life will be passed away. We pray, Lord, for a newness of life uh, that, that he will truly be born again as he comes up out of the water in victory and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's go do this. I'm going to give one more call. Anybody else want to be baptized before we go? Okay, let's do it. runner out of you a runner out of you now not the kind of runner that runs for sports and not the kind of runner that runs away I'm building up in you a woman of valor who runs toward the battle and you will carry a sword and that sword is the word of the Lord that comes not not just from not just from hearing what he says to you but also knowing the Bible and so can we pray for her for, uh, for enlightenment? The Bible's a tough book. Sometimes it's intimidating how many of you could say, yeah, yeah, that's me. Okay, I'm gonna pray for you too. Jesus, we ask for the opening of her understanding for the word of God. Not just the rhema word of God, we, we do pray that, open their ears, open her eyes, but also, Father, for that Logos word of God, there is beauty in the Bible. And God, you are calling her to be equipped at a young age. You're not supposed to sit around and wait until you're 16 or 18. No, now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time. And in Jesus' name, we just, we just support you and we send you out into the purpose that God has for your life because you were created with a plan and a purpose. God cares about you. God sees you. God knows you. And he's reaching in to partner with you. Never the same. Never the same in Jesus' name. Amen.
on, let's give her a shout, a good clap. God is good. Thank you, God. Listen, this is a celebration. How many of you know this is a celebration? This is what the first century church dug, man. We better dig it today, okay? Let's get engaged here. I just hear you saying I have a promise and a future for you one that is good one that's full of life and hope and that when you are with me and he is always with you when you are with me there is always strategy there is always a way through there is no darkness there is no valley there is no problem that you can't overcome with God by your side. When it feels like everything is closing in, you always have a way. You always have a way in Jesus. He makes a way where there is no way. And so even if you find yourself thinking there's no way out of this, that's a reminder that this is a time where I really should be turning to Jesus because when it feels like it's impossible is when he shows up in the mightiest of ways. God, I pray that you would continue to bless him, to live in the remembrance of your goodness, to remind him when things are hard that there is no hard that you can't help him with. There is no circumstance that he'll find himself in where you say, you know what, no, I'm out. No, God is good and he is always with you. He is always by your side and he will always empower you to get through whatever obstacle is ahead of you. So we bless that in you. Remember, always remember, the goodness of God will surely find you in this lifetime. God has a great track record with Saul's. You know, you can run, but you can't hide. Kelly, Kelly, he is Solomon. Solomon, oh my gosh, even better. Solomon. I don't even have to change my strategy here because as I heard the Lord speaking, I thought your name was Saul, but he, he brought me to Psalm 33. I've never met Solomon, but this was, this was the verse, Psalm 33, 11. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his hearts are from generation to generation. And of course, Solomon was a man who sought the wisdom of God and he was submitted for a good portion of his life to in humility to hearing God and I felt like the Lord said that there is a counsel that's upon you uh, not a not a counsel like a counselor um, you are a man who pursues the heart of God and there and you don't just want to know how he feels you actually want to know what he thinks and God loves that about you God loves that about you. And that, that verse there in Psalms is wrapped by this, these other verses that talk about, listen, people around you can do whatever they want, but the counsel of the Lord is sure and steadfast. And so, Father, we ask, we pray a blessing over Solomon. What a great name. A blessing over Solomon. That he would be a man who pursues you who pursues the thoughts of God, and it's gonna take you into some different arenas, uh, Solomon, because whenever you tap into the supernatural like that, which by the way, we can all do, but when you tap into the supernatural thoughts of God, it takes you into unusual places on earth. And so, um, Father, I ask that you would open those doors and I ask that um, there would be a fear of the Lord on Solomon's life. This is the fear of the Lord that causes us caution because we know that God is the ultimate, that he is supreme and that he is sovereign, that he is God of all gods. And I pray, Father, that there would be a reliance upon him, that his life would be marked by that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yeah, give him a clap.
All right, parents, your kids are right over here in this corner. They came in to see the water baptisms. Thank you for being here. Just, just Next a sec. Sunday, we're going to hear from the Lord again. Russ. So, yes? Just a moment. Just a moment. I want to encourage you all. This is something worth celebrating, not just for these incredible young people who've made a declaration in front of all of you today that they will serve the Lord, that they want to follow him. Look, I was asking God about, I'm like, what are, what are your thoughts on today? How do you feel about today? And a rising tide lifts all boats. Quite literally, we've had more people in the water today. The tide is rising for all of us. The more people who are empowered to believe in Jesus and to follow his footsteps in obedience, the more faith that we have access to, the more people who are with us in this journey, the more people that on the other side of this life we get to celebrate with for eternity, a rising tide lifts all boats. So be encouraged today because the water level is a little higher for all of us. It is. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Okay, God bless you, everybody. We'll be together again next week.